Hey everybody, Tom Block. Thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles and thank you to Seminole Boosters for their support of this program and more than that, their support of Florida State student-athletes. If you're listening to this show and you're not a booster, what are you doing? Support the program and the student-athletes you care about. All the information you need is online at boosters.fsu.edu. Your gift makes an impact. It supports scholarships and sports medicine, strength and conditioning, nutrition, equipment. Buy tickets, show the student-athletes you care. All the info you need, boosters.fsu.edu. And all the info you need this week, well, here's Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Good day, everybody. Tom and KJ with you. We welcome you to Front Row Knowles. Keith, how are you, sir? I am doing well, doing well. It's not a New Year's Six Bowl, but it's a Tier A or a Tier 1 Bowl. What am I supposed to call it? Well, this particular bowl has been called nine things over the years, starting with the Blockbuster Bowl, migrating to the CarQuest Bowl, the Champs Bowl, and five other things I can't remember. But now you call it the Cheez-It Bowl. And very importantly, our listeners need to understand that when it was the Blockbuster Bowl, one Tom Block, before he took his job at Hooters, worked at the stadium for the Blockbuster Bowl. Uh, That is a true statement. Both of those. I did work at Hooters. Uh, I also did work at, at the time it was Joe Robbie Stadium, and I worked the Blockbuster Bowl keeping stats for Mr. Gene Deckerhoff. So those are all true, but nobody cared about that trivia, but we did waste 10 seconds of the show. I'm excited to go to a bowl, Keith, and I know the bowl games mean nothing, right? Nobody's watching nationally. We say that. We make this comment. We've devalued the bowl games with this playoff. And then you'll look in all those games between Christmas and New Year's, they'll still pull in ratings of two, which sounds minuscule, but it's four times higher than the basketball games that are on from the college ranks, right? So they they still do numbers. They still make money for somebody. And certain of these bowls, even though they're not New Year's Six, but certain of these bowls, and that's what Coach uh, Norvell was talking to. I mean, an FSU versus Oklahoma in Orlando, a couple of three days before the, the, the playoff games began, is going to be a bowl that true college football people watch. Oklahoma down, can they come back? Six and six. Venable's a great name. Florida State hadn't been to a bowl in four or five years, lose lose three in a row, come back, win five. I mean, this is a game, and Coach Norvell is right on point. This is a game that college football fans will watch. Yeah, I'm excited. It's a game against a big brand. I don't care if they're having a down year. Uh, Oklahoma's got, what, seven national titles in tow historically, something like that. I mean, they're, they're, a, they're a blue blood, and they have owned Florida State, save for – that game your freshman year in 1965 was it Keith when uh, when FSU beat Oklahoma? I was only I was only a junior in high school then, but thank you. <laughs> That's false, folks. We'll set the record straight coming up later in the show when we talk about Keith's uh, on-field playing days. And he asked me, "I'm sorry, what what college did you play for?" Um, but no, I'm excited about about the game and Florida State being in. Just the fact that there's a buzz around FSU for the first time in a while, Keith. It's it's been five years, but it feels like 50. I mean, it's been a long time since there was buzz before Willie's first game against Virginia Tech. But in terms of 
the feeling right now and going into the next season, I mean, maybe that is the answer. 18 feels more like 17 when we were getting ready for the game of the century or whatever that we call the goat game of Jimbo and Saban in Florida state and Alabama. And then once Deandre got hurt that game and FSU lost, it's just been off the track since then. I go all the way back to 2011 and I'm sure we'll bring this up again uh, as we look to the bowl game, but you know, uh, FSU goes out to Norman in 2010 and loses. And then both teams are in the top five when Oklahoma visits Florida state uh, at home in 2011. I'm not saying that the bowl game has that much hype associated with it, but it's approaching it. And, and Florida state faithful are just excited to get back to a bowl. I mean, 30, 35, 36 bowl games in a row before the streak ended. I mean, this is something that uh, FSU faithful is, is used to. Tickets are in high demand, and that's because there's a, a lower allotment than what Florida, certainly a much lower allotment than what Florida State will receive next year in the same stadium when they open against LSU. So uh, word is trickling out probably as you're hearing this, if you're listening on Wednesday uh, or Thursday, whenever you time shift it to. So, but, but there will be a really good Florida State crowd there. I don't know. Now, Oklahoma has a proud tradition, and there will, have, there will be plenty of people who will get out of Norman and the state of Oklahoma to say Orlando sounds appealing over the holidays leading up to New Year's. But I do wonder how much interest there will be, given where Oklahoma has been over the last 10, 20 years, i.e. in the college football playoff, churning out Heisman Trophy winners. Now they've got a, a team with a first-year coach. They're struggling. A bunch of guys have already opted out. I don't know what kind of turnout we'll get on the Oklahoma side. I, I don't either. And I think it's interesting. You and I have talked about off the record that, you know, man, is this really a good thing with Florida state going to Orlando for the bowl game? And then the next game following will be LSU and Orlando. I don't think it matters to Florida state faithful. I think they have been um, deprived is not necessarily the, the correct word, but the, the not able to go to a bowl game, not, not, getting excited about a kickoff type of game. So I think FSU faithful will be in droves uh, come December and they'll be happy to go back in droves when they open against LSU to start uh, the 2023 season. And there's enough alumni for Florida state, I four quarter and South that while there will be many who go to both games, there's enough to support both games. Even if nobody went to both games, they'll, they'll be fine on that front. LSU, by the way, is playing in the cheese it, citrus bowl this year so they too will be ending their season in orlando and starting their season in orlando next year against fsu just the way it worked out for florida state and lsu all right bob ferrante our osceola insider will join us next segment Uh, we'll talk more about the big news which we didn't even mention keith jordan travis is coming back it feels like we should have put that in the opening of the show but we bumped it to segment two and we'll discuss it next on front row knowles some battles are worth fighting they build character and teach important lessons. Other times, the more we resist, the longer we stay stuck. When a simple change would change everything. Is your bank holding you back? Try my bank, Prime Meridian Bank. Changing is easy. We'll show you how. Prime Meridian Bank. Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and on the web at trymybank.com. Member FDIC. The Christmas season is here, and we want to take a moment and thank all our customers for their business and support this year. We also want to thank all our employees for their hard work and dedication. Christmas season is about faith, family, and friends, and spending time with the ones that you love. But if you happen to be in the market for a car, truck, or SUV, we'd love to help. So from our family to yours, we hope you have a Merry Christmas. 
with lots of love, joy, and peace. And we look forward to serving you in the new year. Merry Christmas from Hobson Chevrolet. Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now back to Tom and Keith. We welcome you back to Front Row Knowles. And boy, December has certainly changed as we open up the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. And say hello to Bob Frante from the Osceola. Bob, December used to kind of be kick back, talk about the bowl, and now we refresh social media, text. We're looking at everything every three seconds to see if, A, somebody left, or, or better yet, B, somebody showed up on campus. So that's just the way of the world nowadays in college football. No vacation time in December for anybody, and, and KJ is going to have to you know start a Twitter burner account so he can get over there and just see what everybody's talking about with all this portal nonsense. I got you guys. You keep me informed. Someday, Keith, you're going to disclose that you've actually had a burner account for years, and I followed it and probably retweeted it a time or two, maybe made some snide comments a time or two. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that. Moving on. Oh, so the big news, obviously. I did, I wasn't sure when Jordan was going to announce one way or the other. I did think he would do it fairly quickly just because with an early signing period in the portal opening – I mean, if you have any respect for your coach and your program, I realize you need to take time to make your decision yours, but you really can't drag it out for five weeks. You kind of need to make it so the program can move on with or without you. So, but what a, what a start to the week to hear the news from Jordan Travis. I, I'm guessing you expected that though. You know, it's, at some points I was really leaning the other way because again, Jordan Travis said back in July when asked if he was approaching this season as potentially his last at Florida state, he said, uh, 100%, yes, that, that he was viewing this as his last year in Tallahassee. So I, I think at some point along the way, um, definitely your team's performance, your your wins, your camaraderie with teammates, I think changes a, a whole lot. But but yes, what, what you're saying about um, you have to let the coaches know because there's all these quarterbacks across the ACC jumping in the portal. You'd want to replace a Jordan Travis, of course. Um, you know, the benefit for Florida State is they're not in that position uh, whereas almost half of the league is. And, and the good thing is Jordan Travis can say to his teammates, I'm coming back, join me. And, and the portal is wide open for other guys, you know, say a tight end or an offensive lineman or, or a defensive guy who says, I want to play on a top 10 team that has stability with, with Mike Norvell in year four, with an accomplished quarterback. Who knows who else comes back on, on offense and defense, but that looks like a stable situation. And, and that's the name of the game with the portal these days is, uh, you know, guys want to be developed and and have a, a year or two to play somewhere. So I, I think we will see a ripple effect from Jordan's decision that will be very, very positive for Florida State uh, in 23. Guys, as we're taping this uh, on Tuesday evening, because it was a very, very important middle school soccer game that Tom Bach will advise us of later, um, the portal's been open 36 hours. There's over a thousand kids that have already entered the portal. The thing that I keep reminding our listeners of, and you guys can rebuff, is that statistically over the last couple of years, only 50% of the kids that enter the portal ever come out of the portal signing another scholarship. So, so to date, there's been over 500 kids that will never take another snap in college football. There was a, a graphic on Twitter. I, I can't recall who did it, but it was basically a quarterback saying, I went from number three to number 1,303 because the line is just so long within the transfer portal. So 
that grass is always greener, it might feel good and people might be telling you to jump in. And it might be people say there's money if you jump in because of an NIL deal, but you just don't know until you get in there. And that's exactly that's exactly. the danger. That's the real danger, especially again, I, I know I harp on academics probably too much, but if a guy doesn't have an opportunity and a woman in, in any woman's sport, if you lose out on the opportunity for your scholarship to earn a degree, that's significant more so probably for the long haul than for your, your professional prospects. That's what the danger is, I think, of this transfer portal, the way it's currently constructed. Definitely a danger and unfortunate that guys are, are going in and not coming out. That Keith, that's like guys that turn pro early mm-hmm. and never get a sniff with the NFL. And for all these years, we haven't had an option for them to come back to school when that's the scenario. Uh, and the way it works with the portal if you have a really good relationship with your coaching staff, they might take you, Matt. That's might, a very might, small percentage. Might. But but they can pull your scholarship as soon as you go in the portal. So uh, it, it would behoove you, uh, Keith. What is the old saying that us old folks talk about? Don't burn any bridges. That That kind of might be germane in this situation. Very much. What do you expect to happen, Bob? And again, folks, we're taping on Tuesday night. So uh, who knows what what – by the time you listen to this, the landscape will have changed. But uh, Jordan coming back, does that make Jared Verse think harder about his decision? Does that make it easier for Trey Benson, who, in my opinion, is going to come back to say, well, if Jordan's coming back, I, you know, it's <laughs> the offense is going to be humming. I mean, do you think it affects the decisions of other guys that have decisions to make? You know, I think the important decision is talk to the coaches, talk to the NFL Draft Advisory Committee, those guys who are going to watch your film and give you as as honest of an evaluation as possible. Um, you know, Patrick Burnham talked with with one scout who was, you know, granted anonymity and, and gave some pretty candid insight on, on Jared Verse. And um, is he a slam dunk first round pick? Um, I won't give away the whole story, but I think the answer is, is no. He is not a slam dunk first round guy. Now, if he wants to come back to make sure that he is, if he feels like he might be uh, leaving developmental time or money on the table, then that's a reason for a guy like like Jared to come back and, and even risk the the injury potential there. Trey Benson's a tough one because all these running backs, we always say every year, Cam Akers, Dalvin Cook, on the way down the line, a running back should go pro, and Trey's got the injury history. I would say to a guy like Trey, you know, if if you feel like the evaluation's there, go for it. But if you don't, then again, these are these NIL opportunities that are going to pop up for you to incentivize you to go to school, help to finish your degree, come back and play. I think there's a lot of guys who are going to use these NIL opportunities. It could make college football older and, and a little bit better if some of these guys decide that that they're going to stay. Um, the hunch, I, I think Jared Verse and, and Jamie Robinson probably go pro. I, I do think the rest of them have a really long decision ahead of them with with family and friends and coaches to just weigh what their options are. You're talking about Fabian too? You know, that's a good point. I forgot about Fabian. I, I think I, I think Fabian made the declaration to come back for a reason going into 2022. I, I, I do think Fabian's a guy who's really looking at going pro. And I, I think he's got reasons to want to help his, his young, uh, you know, he's got a toddler son about 18 months old, I believe. Um, you know, Fabian Jr.'s had some medical issues that, you know, the FSU community helped out through a GoFundMe. So I, I, I would expect a, a guy like Fabian to go pro too. 
Guys, have you noticed we started talking immediately about who's coming back, and we haven't even celebrated the fact that Florida State's in a bowl game, uh, a, a level A, tier A, not a New Year's Day or, 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 or New Year's Six bowl, but this is a pretty significant um, uh, reach for Florida State. Oklahoma in Orlando, and, and we're all talking about who's coming back and not what we're going to play next. Isn't that how interesting the landscape has changed? December is weird like that, for sure. I, I think the fans are excited. I mean, we're seeing uh, a lot of comments from the FSU ticket office that the requests for tickets in Orlando has just you know far exceeded expectations, as well as the allotment. So those tickets will, yes, be very expensive, but if, if you want them, it's going to be a tough ticket to to get a hold of it. It's a great location, obviously, in Orlando for a lot of people to drive to. I think the opponent in Oklahoma is a is a very attractive name, although the the product that they may put out there, they've got some opt-outs between, you know, left tackle, right tackle, running back. Um, guys who are looking at the NFL and, and making their decisions. So this may not be even as good of an Oklahoma team that we saw in the regular season and, and at six and six they were very inconsistent. I, I think that's maybe a, a nice way of putting it. They've still got a Dylan Gabriel, but it, it's not a true powerhouse type of you know Oklahoma. What? You know what, though, Bob? I don't care. It's a bowl I, game? And, uh, I, I, like, to me, this for Florida State, is a, for, as a fan who's involved with the broadcast, it's fun to – I've really enjoyed watching this team play, so to get to watch them play again, I'm excited about that. Uh, the the fans uh, or the whoever on social media was tweeting that Florida State deserved a better bowl opponent. Well, whatever. Oklahoma's owned FSU over the years. Bobby never beat them. Jimbo never beat them. I don't care if they're down. I'll take the more win. More importantly, the more importantly, Tom, I never beat them. There you go, Keith. That's never the beat most them. important part. Well, that so I'm glad you brought this up, Keith, because this this is a good. Uh, now, granted, our listenership is is probably my demographic, your demographic, so. They, they don't actually remember the details, but they do remember you played against Oklahoma at one point. I'm not sure you remember the details, Keith, but what would you like to share for people who aren't familiar with the 79 and 80 games against the Sooners? Well, I, I just tell you that that's, that's what put Florida State on the map. And, 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 and I'm not saying that from the standpoint that um, I'm, I'm tooting my own horn, but for Florida State to be able to go to back-to-back New Year's Bowls without – a conference affiliation and and though we lost the first one you know considerably and it was a very great game in the second one um that's what put florida state on the map they they went down a little bit in the early 80s and then you know the dynasty began but that ability to be able to to thrust themselves into the national spotlight was extremely important for coach bowden and the foundation that he laid and and those Oklahoma teams were really really good teams. I, I mean, my my junior year, the starting backfield for Oklahoma was J.C. Watts at quarterback, Stanley Wilson at fullback, David Overstreet at one running back, and Heisman Trophy winner Billy Sims at the other. That's a pretty talented backfield. I don't care who who wins, who loses, or anything else. And the point being. Fast forward to 2000 when FSU plays Oklahoma for the national championship, that great game with top five in 2011 uh, when Florida State lost in 2010 at Norman, and then the the Sooners came in and both teams were in the top five to kick off the season in 2011. I mean, this is a great mini rivalry that Florida State is behind, but, but 
Florida State faithful will know that this is a program that FSU should enjoy and will enjoy playing. Two, two things, Keith. One, last time we went into a bowl game against Oklahoma, we, Florida State, FSU fans were convinced that the route was going to be on. It was early in Stoops' career, and that's one of the most forgettable games in FSU football history. 13-2. 13-2. So I don't want to hear about Oklahoma's year this year. Let's just go win the game. But back to your 1980 game, FSU was 10-1 and having lost on a missed two-point conversion against Miami going into that game, right? And and then had Oklahoma not converted a two-point conversion? I forget the scenario, but if FSU wins – Outside chance at a national title? Remind me of no, that. No, no outside chance. We definitely would have won the coaches. It would have been a split decision. We would have won the national championship because we were number two in the country playing number three or four. Georgia was number one in the country playing number 12 in Notre Dame. The coaches would have given us the national title. And again, repeating, two games, both in the Orange Bowl, both in opposite directions, both on two-point conversions. We lose two games by two points that year. The what ifs. The what ifs. That is that is amazing to look back on. All right, we're going to, you mentioned the start of the dynasty. I want to talk about a guy who was around uh, at the start of the dynasty. Uh, now he's making waves in the head coaching world. So we'll take a break, come back and talk about prime time here on Front Row. We'll talk prime time Knowles and go down uh, memory lane, KJ, when we continue on Front Row Knowles. Stay with us. Loading the kids in the car, brokering peace in the back seat, mastering the snack handoff without even looking. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. We work with independent agents who keep insurance simple so you can worry about more important things like figuring out what's growing in that cup holder. That's simple human sense. Ask the Earl Bacon Agency in Tallahassee if auto owners is right for you or visit us online at earlbacon.com. Some battles are worth fighting. They build character and teach important lessons. Other times, the more we resist, the longer we stay stuck. When a simple change would change everything. Is your bank holding you back? Try my bank, Prime Meridian Bank. Changing is easy. We'll show you how. Prime Meridian Bank. Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and on the web at trymybank.com. Member FDIC. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Back on Front Row Knowles. All right, it's time to pull out the Dion stories. First of all, just for context, uh, Keith, you're around. Bob, you remember these days. I don't remember when you started covering FSU. My freshman year at FSU, when I rolled into Tallahassee in August of 1988, Deion Sanders was not yet eligible for his senior season. He had to pass algebra, and he had taken an exam. This was right when the Seminole rap was playing on the radio every 10 seconds. And so as not to... uh, appear that there was any misdoings malfeasance Uh, the test was sent to the university of florida to grade the test and i'll never forget the headline in the tallahassee democrat and it was definitely the sports page it probably was the front page above the fold was dion passes algebra and thus he was eligible for his senior year 
in which he became a well he started becoming prime time a year earlier i guess but he was a quote machine that year uh just whether it was andre risen in michigan state whether it was florida receivers fearing him and it ended against auburn when he uh whatever the 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 lawyer joke was on lawyer tillman the auburn he uh, intercepted lawyer in front of lawyer tillman yeah it was a perry mason joke and he came to the his senior game against florida rolled out in a tux and a limo i mean that was prime time at his finest and uh so that was just a, a basic setup you guys have your dion stories i'm sure too I'm going to be honest. I, I wasn't sure he was in for this coaching hall seriously, but it would appear that he is very, uh, he's in for the long haul. He's putting together a solid staff. I mean, honestly, I don't know that we've, we've, we've considered a guy his age being the figurehead. And I don't know if he can actually X and O because nobody's paid attention to that part, but he might not have to, if he just goes and gets some good coaches and he becomes the face of Colorado. What do you think, Bob? I see you nodding. I mean, it's, there's over four and a half million hits on the video of him either telling his Jackson state team goodbye or, or saying hello and hit the transfer portal to his new Colorado team. I mean, it's, he's a social media sensation. I think the beauty of this from the Colorado standpoint is we haven't talked about that program this much in, in 20 years since Cordell Stewart, Rashawn Salam, Michael Westbrook, the, you know, the Hail Mary against Michigan, Colorado has been just a sleeping program in the middle of a conference that's let's let's be honest not very good kind of wide open where where Colorado can make a push if Dion can recruit Texas a state where he played he played in the NFL at a very high level he's got a lot of connections there I I think he's hired some some guys who have recruiting ties and that's going to be interesting too is just how well can you recruit to Colorado it's beautiful in Boulder I think a lot of people want to live there. Do do a lot of eighteen or twenty three year old guys want to to live there? And I think the answer should be yes. Um, this is going to be really exciting. In some regards, honestly, I'm not sure it's all that high of a risk for Colorado. I mean, you've got a program that was kind of going nowhere. A coach in Dion who's had you know a fair amount of success, high school coach, uh, college coach in the SWAC. I, I think. I think he kind of doesn't get enough credit to some extent for what he's done. Um, and, and clearly we know he's going to recruit and bring players there. Um, how well is he going to do? Is he going to win five games his first year or eight? I'm not sure it matters year one, but if he's got a long-term kind of plan for this, he, he can he can build something that I think would be pretty entertaining and really put Colorado on the map. Guys, the one thing, the one thing that is most important here is with all the brashness, with all the prime, with all the glitter, remember one thing. Nobody, nobody at Florida State has ever worked harder on the field, in the weight room, in tape, than Deion Sanders. You talk to every one of his teammates, football teammates, minor league baseball teammates, MLB teammates, NFL teammates, they will tell you, yeah, maybe they got a little tired of the, of the smack talk, but he backed it up because nobody worked harder. And when you're a head coach and you're willing to put in those hours, you command that type of respect from your assistants and you insist and are expecting of that type of respect from your team. And we saw what he did at Southern. I have no reason to believe. I, I don't think it'll be immediate. 
it'd be a little, it'll be a little longer than maybe most want, but there's no reason to believe he can't be successful at Colorado. Yeah. Mickey Andrews always would talk about those Dion stories for sure. When the, when the news became official on Sunday, you talked about his baseball teammates news came out that Fred McGriff went into the hall of fame and you think of Dion's reach. Dion played with Fred McGriff for two years. You know what I mean? So, Oh yeah. Dion, I mean, we're, we're, we're all middle-aged Keith. I'll put you in that bucket still. Right. So we well, saw thank Dion you, Tom. Thank you. Time. Uh, but he still resonates with, with the kids of today. I mean, for his, I mean, come on. He, when he went into the hall of fame, he put a do rag on his bust at Canton. Do you remember that? He gave a speech. Then he stood up, put a do rag right around his bust at Canton because he's Dion. Who else does that? Here's the part of the Dion story though, that th- this will matter not now because the college landscape has changed. This would have mattered 10 years ago before players were getting NIL deals and having the freedom to transfer and getting cost of attendance and all that. Uh, so again, prime time has the right timing. I don't, I don't know that he has his degree. And it just, if you think about like he was up for the USF job and this goes back to, again, my freshman year, uh, Dion didn't go to class his entire fall semester, his senior year, because at that time there were no rules that said, you had to go to class. If you were eligible at the start of the fall semester, you were good for the fall. Now, I'd like to believe that most players, student athletes still went, went to their exams. When word got out on that, two things happened. The Florida Board of Regents at that time passed a rule, which became a law, which became known as the Dion rule, that you had to go to class. And the second thing is when, when Dion was asked about it, and I know how I would answer this, so he has a fair point. He said, if I told you that you had a winning lottery ticket that you could cash in a month, would you get up and go to work tomorrow? Would you? (laughs) And I I would tell you, I would tell you that that rule scripted, especially for Dion, actually came back and bit Florida State on the butt because one Chris Ricks was not eligible to play in a bowl game. Also, by the way, if I remember correctly, in the Sugar Bowl, and therefore, Florida State didn't perform very well. Yeah. Yeah. So I bring all that to say, if this is 10 years ago in a different landscape, when we were not pretending that student athletes were, were amateurs and we before we had ripped the Band-Aid off, I think that would have been a much bigger media story. But right now, that's just it's not even a story. Now, the media, the national media has actually gone the other way, criticizing power five schools who didn't give Dion a chance like Auburn. And so that's, that's where we are now. The media is on Dion's side. If you can believe that, I just think it's going to be fascinating to see, by the way, he's got a Florida state flavor. I don't know which positions these guys are going to hold, but Charles Kelly's going to be on his staff, former defense coordinator at FSU. Tim Brewster is on his staff. Willie Taggart is on his staff. David Kelly, who was here at FSU is on his staff. And again, those aren't on all on field roles. Uh, but maybe the biggest recruiting thing is I understand it. He got Kent or Kent State's head coach to come be offensive coordinator, to give up a head coaching job to go be offensive coordinator for Dion. Think about that one. Well, and he's already said that his son, Shakira, is going to be his quarterback. And I'm told, you guys correct me, but Travis, the number one recruit that he moved from Florida State to Jackson last year, is also going to follow into Colorado. I think that's true. I think that's true. Anyway, I think it's going to be fascinating to watch. He's definitely, uh, definitely put Colorado back on them. Nobody's talked about Colorado football like this 
since the tragic passing of Sal and Essie way back when in the Bill McCartney days, right? I mean, it's been a long time. And Rashawn Salam, and that's the last time with Cordell Stewart. That's the last time anybody was talking about Colorado. Anyway, this is front row Knowles, not front row Buffaloes. But uh, I just I, I thought we needed to talk a little bit about Dion there and and what he's doing uh, on that front. Bob, what else should we talk? I guess, you know, one thing we should talk about, and I, we're going to have her on the show in coming weeks, but Florida State's women's basketball team apparently has the best player in school history. She's only played about seven games, nine games, 10 games, but she's won the ACC Rookie of the Week every week this season and is averaging 20 points a game and is apparently phenomenal. I, I have not seen her play yet, but that's pretty remarkable. Yeah, I've only seen uh, Tonight Lesson play a couple times. I, I think the the best way I can say it is, fearless driving to the rim like she's a senior and she's a freshman just very authoritative um talk to some people who have watched a lot of her games in person i've watched a few on tv uh very very fun to watch still has a lot to learn i think a little bit of the scouting report is you know drives to the right doesn't really have the strong left hand uh to the rim just yet but you know for a freshman to be this good this early they've got a lot of good pieces around them you know uh, kk timpson it's got four double doubles here in a row going into Sunday's game. So I, I think we're seeing a small roster with some injury issues, but, you know, Brooke Wyckoff has recruited and developed really, really well there. And, and how significant is, is it that coach Sue mentored Brooke? She, she played for coach Sue last couple of years of her actual participation. But but Sue taking time off to be with her mom, coming back for her last year, actually groomed Brooke. And how significant is it that she's now stepped into that role? And forgive me, at a very early age, as head coaches go, and has achieved some remarkable success. I I, I think that is probably as 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 seamless a transition as we've seen in college basketball, men or women, in a long, long time. I think Brooke truly passed up some good jobs. Um, I believe the Cincinnati job was one that was kind of under consideration. She's an Ohio native. Some folks thought she might go up, you know, go up there, but, but she was pretty consistent in listening, but telling people no, because she hoped that, that one day this job would become available. It was, it was really in her heart to be Florida state's coach. Whenever, you know, coach Sue decided to, to retire, I think we're all happy for coach Sue. She's, you know, she's able to travel and watch a lot of games and, and, you know, enjoy life with her mom and dad. And I think Brooke has taken it over and, and really there is a foundation that is Sue Semrau's, but I think Brooke has really put her mark on it. This is a different looking offense, different, um, you know, schemes and set up. So it feels very good that, that Brooke has taken over. And I think, I think we all kind of feel good about it. Just her having this opportunity here. Bob, we uh, appreciate your insight as always, and uh, get back to refreshing social media, checking your email, checking your texts, your DMs, see who else has gone in or out of the portal. Will do. And then remember to write it down so we can fax it to Keith. Here are your pigeons, guys. Hey, 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 I have a plain paper fax. It is not thermal paper anymore. I'm proud of that. I'm just going to leave that one out there. Back with more Front Row Knowles right after this. The Christmas season is here, and we want to take a moment and thank all our customers for their business and support this year. We also want to thank all our employees for their hard work and dedication. 
Christmas season is about faith, family, and friends, and spending time with the ones that you love. But if you happen to be in the market for a car, truck, or SUV, we'd love to help. So from our family to yours, we hope you have a Merry Christmas with lots of love, joy, and peace. And we look forward to serving you in the new year. Merry Christmas from Hobson Chevrolet. Getting the kids to practice on time. Remembering if it's your day to bring snacks. Making it to the game with a clean jersey. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. Auto Owners works with independent agents who answer when you call, so you can worry about more important things, like whether your kid is going to run toward first or third base. That's simple human sense. Ask the Earl Bacon Agency in Tallahassee if Auto Owners is right for you, or visit us online at earlbacon.com. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Back on Front Row Knowles, Tom and KJ to wrap things up. Good discussion with Bob Ferrante as always. Uh, appreciate his insight. It is crazy times with the portal, and it's it's craziness with Dion Keith. I mean, I know we just spent six minutes on it, but it really is fascinating me the way he's captivating college football right now. Yeah, you know, if you go back, what, um, 10 months ago, 11 months ago, many Florida State fa- faithful were not happy with Dion because he, quote, unquote, you know, turned the number one recruit that uh, Mike Norvell had um, committed to Florida State. And so, therefore, there were plenty that were not happy with Prime. And now I would suspect, I don't know, I haven't talked to that many people, but I would suspect that the majority of the Florida State faithful are actually excited about him going to Colorado for for two reasons. Number one, not somebody Florida State's going to play. But number two, something if, if he's successful, every Florida State fan can say he's one of ours. And so, therefore, he got his start at FSU. He's being successful. He's an FSU guy. It's just an interesting turn of events. Uh, and, and I'm telling you, we talked about it with Bob. I've talked to, I've talked to Tommy, I've talked to a dozen guys that played with Dion. I did not play with Dion. I'm not a close friend of Dion. We've only met a couple of times. Um, my, one of my best friends from, from, from uh, my playing times is Bobby Butler, who was one of Dion's teammates at the Falcons. Uh, but anybody and everybody I've talked to, repeating what I said earlier, their first comment about Dion is that nobody outworks him, whether it's on the field as a player, whether it's what he does as a coach. And that's part of his um, ability to, to recruit players and to recruit coaches that want to work with him. Well, you're going to get transparency from him. And then you're going to get it documented on video and uh, aired on social media because Dion doesn't open his mouth unless there's a camera rolling, I think is the way it works, but no, you're right. We'll talk about that. Or we, we did and continue to talk about it, but uh, he's as hard a worker as has come through FSU. Uh, I just wasn't sure he'd be in it for the long haul with coaching, but obviously he is the way he's put this thing together. All right. Jordan Travis coming back, Keith, let's, let's revisit this a little bit. Um, In hindsight, I'm not surprised. My initial reaction about three weeks or a month ago, though, like Bob, I thought he was going to turn pro. But then I made the comment, I think, on one of our shows, as I reflected on it, that his brother Devin and Devin and his family probably go to all the games. I saw Devin, 
I'd say three times this year on game days, whether it was on the road or home in support of Jordan. But at one point, and maybe it was on our show, Devin commented that the most fun he ever had playing baseball in his whole life. And you're talking about a guy that probably from age four until age 30 was playing baseball. And he got a nice check to do it at the major league level with the Blue Jays. The most fun he ever had playing baseball was college baseball at FSU. And as I, as I chewed on that, you have to believe that Jordan had a conversation with his brother about this decision at some point. And I, I'm not suggesting that was what tipped the scales, but I am suggesting it came up in the conversation at some point. It did. I'm sure. And, and, and again, I'm not a friend of, of uh, uh, Jordan's, so I don't have any personal insight, but as an observer who's been around for a while, uh, the one thing that we haven't really talked about is when you're when you're Jordan and you look at where you were 12 or 13 months ago and you look at where you are now and you see that growth and you know that from a from a physical standpoint from a metric standpoint you are not the prototypical NFL quarterback but if you come back for a year and you can make the same percentage um, growth to put yourself in a different position for the 2023 draft than you do for the 2022 draft. There is a financial monetary reasonableness to come back. And I think that also played into it. I think what we're going to find, and, and we haven't talked about this much because Florida State did not enjoy you know, stellar years under the first two years under Mike Norvell. But you go back and look at his last couple of three years at Memphis and the kids that he was able to get in the NFL that didn't have the metrics but have had outstanding early NFL careers. He has an absolute platform to say to a Travis, you know, come back for another year. You may not make your money early, but you'll make your money late. And I've got a track record that shows that you can do it. Well, Keith, just think about this dynamic. And I have no idea what Jordan's getting from NIL deals. I'm sure it's six figures. I don't know that it's seven figures. I always say the truth is in the middle somewhere, but I honestly have no idea. But when you're on scholarship, Keith, imagine this for our listeners. If you didn't have to pay anything for your housing, rent, mortgage, or your food, how much further would your paycheck go over the course of the year? Because Travis coming back, whatever the number is he's getting, other than wanting to go to the movies or put gas in his vehicle, Keith, he's got all the food and meals he wants. His housing is paid for. Half his transportation is paid for when he's time. He doesn't have expenses, really. I mean, that could just go straight to the bank account if you wanted it to. And well, then when it, you it, And then when you move on and you move away from FSU, wouldn't we all like to start that first year and we already have a half million in the bank? Well, and, and again, again, you and I are not agents. We're not involved in the, in the day-to-day, but you know, if you're a sixth round pick, you're slotted. But, but if you're a second or a third round pick, you're slotted differently. And if you only have a four year NFL career, that's two or $3 million difference a six-round pick versus a second-round pick. I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah, you got to get to your – if you're a later-round pick, you got to get to your second contract for sure. If you're any-round pick, you want to get to your second contract because that's when you're going to get more of the dollars. 
I just think it's it's it was terrific news for FSU. And and more than that, I'm excited to see him play. I mean, the way he evolved as a quarterback, uh, he's going to be in the Heisman discussion. And you got to hope that's going to bring more pressure. And it's also going to have us uh, with unrealistic expectations. But if he can block that out and just play football, he's a damn good football player and he's fun to watch. And I'm looking forward to next year already. And we haven't even finished this year. When's the last time we said that, Keith? He will be the number one quarterback in the ACC with all the transfers that have already been announced before he even sets foot on the field in 2023. Yeah, it's, it's going to be fun to watch. All right, we are uh, out of time. A tip of the cap to Bob Ferrante, our Osceola insider, for joining us uh, this week, as always. Uh, go to the Osceola for the latest on the portal and countdown to early signing day and all that. We'll be back next week. He's Keith. I'm Tom. And this is Front Row Knowles.